Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1006 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, August the 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast, although I believe the account is suspended right now for reasons unknown. Either way, you can also find the podcast on all your favorite podcast providers. And you can, of course, watch the show on YouTube now. This is our second YouTube episode. It's very cool and fun. If you are not part of the video experience, go and subscribe to the Locked on Raptors YouTube page. It'd be very much appreciated if you took the time to do so. We've already got like nearly 100 subscribers after just one show. Let's uh, let's keep on adding to that. All right. On today's show bit of a summer league recap we're going to dig into our big takeaways from summer league as the Raptors finished up last night beating the Brooklyn Nets 86 72 in kind of a garbage time summer league game where none of the exciting players played but we'll still talk about it Uh, and we'll also just kind of get into you know what we thought of Scotty Barnes what we thought of Malachi Flynn Precious Achua the key guys who were quite good throughout most of summer league and we are going to also address it seems like a closing of the book on the Pascal Siakam rumor mill for now from a piece from Sam Amick that came down on Monday. We'll get to that with today's guest who is joining us in video form, adding a whole dash of handsome to the broadcast here on YouTube. It is Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. My body is still in recovery mode. Um, I played my first league soccer game on Sunday since Ooh. pretty much last, well, yeah, I guess February, March 2020. Mm-hmm. Um my body is destroyed. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's been a rough go, and I'm hoping you know I, I've been doing everything I can. Got out the roller, mm-hmm. you know, sat down in some ice and tried everything I could. It's still it's still trying to get there, and I <laughs> you know I'm just trying to get ready for the next game on Sunday. <laughs> yeah a week-long recovery i am dreading the first time i go back to play pickup basketball which i'm still not at all comfortable doing i think but um Mm -hmm. that's gonna be brutal i'm ready for it i mean i guess i've taken up a biking during the pandemic so my cardio isn't like completely embarrassing but it's still not great um all right vivek we have a lot to get to today summer league is over as we talked about we've got uh the game last night i guess we can talk about if we have any sort of stray thoughts on the game where delano banton was the only Real Raptor of note. Uh, I mean, he might be the only Raptor of note, period, because that guy rocks. But um, we'll, we'll just sort of do a more of a broad b- breakdown of Summer League, I think, as opposed to looking at last night's game, because none of the key players were even involved for it from the Raptor side of things. So let's just go with our traditional way we start out these shows, Vivek. Let's just go big arching. What is your biggest takeaway from the Raptors in Summer League, their 4-1 and one Summer League campaign? I would say that they've as athletic as scotty barnes is as athletic as delano banton is mm-hmm. they're basketball players first and yeah. i think that's that's what i really like you know a lot of times you see these 
athletes get drafted and it's like, hey, we'll teach them how to figure out the game and all that type of stuff. But when you watch Scotty Barnes play, it's his natural feel that stands out to me. And mm -hmm. that's what excites me. The fact that he's a basketball player first, plus those incredible physical attributes. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, I, I put Benton obviously in a lower tier, but uh, it, it, it excites me that, you know, he understands the game and plays it the right way. Yeah, I, I mean, Barnes, I am very, very excited about. I, you know, I think it's going to be a stupid conversation for, I guess, the rest of time, like the whole Barnes versus Jalen Suggs thing. I think it's totally okay to be very happy for both guys and hope that both guys succeed. That seems like maybe a hot take at this point. But I am just, I guess I, I was a little bit apprehensive on the night of the draft when they made the pick for Barnes. You know, again, I'm not a draft expert. I'm not smart compared to front offices. So all of my sort of, you know, skepticism is to be taken with a grain of salt, an enormous grain of salt, perhaps just like a large Himalayan rock salt lamp. Um, but like, I just, I'm glad that we got the sort of proof of concept in five games. And look, it's by no means a finished product. Scotty Barnes is going to take a while to, become the full version of Scotty Barnes. And there may be a possibility that he doesn't get there just because it's hard to develop and it's hard to add offensive juice to your game. But I think the point you made about him having the feel is the thing that really stands out to me. Like he just knows how to play basketball. He knows where to be. It's not like one of these guys who comes in, who's an athletic Marvel, who has no idea what sport he's playing. It's he knows he's playing basketball. He's just doing it in an athletic frame that is horrifying if you're an opposing offensive player. And it's horrifying if you're trying to defend him in transition. And I think, you know, between the defensive utility, which I think is going to be there from day one, uh, you know, it's hard to say that about rookies, but it's hard not to look at the dude and say, oh, yeah, he's going to be a problem immediately in the NBA. To have that already is sort of the baseline. And then knowing that he's got the feel, he's got the eagerness to put up shots, even if maybe it's not a successful thing right now all the time. Although sometimes he'll throw a turnaround where he moves nine feet on a single move and it's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, it, it is just encouraging to see that the sort of pieces that sort of will end up making a complete well-rounded player are there. He just hasn't quite figured out how to put them all together just yet. Um, in terms of the offense, you know, we, we saw a little bit of him with self-creation and looking for others and, you know, you know, get fits and starts, some good, some bad. What was your overall impression of Scotty Barnes's offensive performance in summer league? Individually, I'd say he's pretty raw. Yeah. I think the, I think what's encouraging is the skeleton of how he can be a productive, uh, individual, uh, scorer yeah. is there. And so, you know, you see those post-ups where you mentioned he turns around and creates that separation. Um, I think there's times where, you know, he gets the ball in the post and he doesn't quite know how to maximize his body sure. yet, where in terms of creating that separation on a turn. And so I think as opposed to turning and going up straight away, maybe over time he'll learn, hey, turn, get that body into them then go up, mm -hmm. you know, and, and little things like that, you, you don't expect a rookie to know, but over time they'll come along and, and obviously he has the body for it. So I think there is a pathway to being uh, a solid scorer at the NBA level. Uh, and then beyond that, I would say, you know, the playmaking, the vision, it, it, it'd be hard to appreciate in summer league because he didn't necessarily have uh 
the players around him <laughs> that would be on the same page. Yeah. And I, I would expect his playmaking to look a lot better when he's playing alongside a Fred Van Fleet and an OG Ananobi and a Pascal Siakam. Um, then to an extent, a Gary Trent Jr., who's just going to be ready to put it up at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, sorry, go ahead. Carry on. No, no, no. No, I was just going to say, you know, this is maybe like selling it short a little bit, and it's probably not an exact comparison, but it does feel like Scotty Barnes' offense will kind of be like what DeAndre Bembry's was this year, where when he was on his own, kind of asked to like be the lead guy in a lineup, it was like, oh, this is terrible. What are we doing here? But when he was the fifth or fourth guy in a lineup, kind of providing connectivity with, you know, the extra pass, with cuts on the baseline, with you know, cuts in from the 45, like, you know, all of that, like, seems like to be like a role that Barnes can fill pretty quickly here. And I guess we should probably talk about sort of what his role is going to be going into this season, because there's obviously a log jam of guys who are six foot nine on the roster. I, I don't know if that means there's going to be a log jam at any position, because I think the Raptors are saying uh, F you to positions this year, more or less. But where do you figure Barnes slots in from day one? Is it you know, is he going to be like the replacement starter for Pascal Siakam until he returns from his shoulder injury, then figure it out from there? Do you start him on the bench and have him work with Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua, maybe Goran Dragic, and have sort of a loaded second unit where he can kind of work out some of the kinks against second units of the other team? Like, where do you envision Scotty Barnes slotting in next season or this coming season from day one? I could see, you know, the Raptors looking at Scotty Barnes and saying, hey, we've got a month or so here where we can maybe accelerate the process. Sure. Let's get him in there with the starters, with Freddie and OG and Gary Trent Jr. and uh, Ken Birch mm -hmm. and, and see w w what he takes from it. And then we can slide him back to what's probably his natural role for the entirety of the season when Pascal is back and assumes that starting role. And then he's playing those backup minutes behind OG and Pascal. Sure. Uh, and, and maybe plays a few minutes in the backcourt as well, you know, trying to get some reps at, uh, as a lead ball handler as well. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I, I would add uh, in terms of the takeaways from Scotty, uh, especially in terms of developing offensively, is the confidence. Yeah. You you love the confidence uh, that he's not looking at it and saying, "Oh, I'm not there yet. I'm not going to try this." Yeah. You know. So he's just going to go out and and do what he can, and I, I think that's what lends toward saying, "Hey." Let's. This isn't a player who you know is going to be a deer. Even if he is a deer in the headlights that first month of the season, yeah. it, it's not going to bother him uh, in a way that is going to be detr detrimental to his future. Yeah, he's going to like stare down the car and dare the car to hit him, as opposed to <laughs> whatever deer usually do in headlights. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I look. This probably isn't going to happen, but I think there's a world in which Scotty starts the season as the starting four in place of Siakam does kind of what we saw OG do in his rookie season where, oh, he kind of fits really nicely in the starting five. And then, I don't know, maybe Gary Trent struggles from three or something like that. And then you roll out a starting five of Fred Van Vliet, Barnes, OG, Siakam, and Ken Birch and uh, begin the era of positionless freak basketball, which I think we're all looking forward to. Um, we're going to continue on and dive into some of the other guys from Summer League and, and what our thoughts were. Malachi Flynn, Precious Achua, Freddie Gillespie, I think is, is probably going to come up here. We'll get to that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Sweatblock, who are truly a miracle product for someone like me, who is a sweaty guy. I'm sorry to admit it. Maybe it's gross for the podcast, but it's true 
But Sweatblock is here. They are here to make it so you don't have to worry about what shirt color you're wearing. I'm wearing a purple shirt right now. This is a dangerous game I'm playing. My Sweatblock shipment has yet to arrive. But yes, I'll, I'll be wearing this shirt confidently once Sweatblock does arrive in the form of their Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this will all sound too good to be true. And trust me, I've tried all of the solutions before, but Sweatblock is only need to be used once or twice a week, and you will be kept dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with excessive sweating, you got to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS that is sweatblock.com promo code locked on. Today's show is also brought to you by a product that our pal Vivek is probably going to get some use out of if he goes and purchases it. It is Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an athlete or someone like me who's not an athlete or you're a rec soccer player who's feeling very, very sore. Theragun is there for you and it can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush, Big V. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines teens to make you feel so so good in your bones and muscles i guess is more the thing we're talking about here theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like real madrid and elite athletes like paul paul george deandre hopkins maria sharapova and hundreds of thousands of customers and me i have a theragun it's awesome it's somewhere kicking around here it's fantastic vivek should get one too try theragun for 30 days starting at only 199 bucks go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your gen 4 theragun today that's thera therabody excuse me Theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right. I would like a Therabody. Yeah, Therabody. I, 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 sorry, I made a mistake here. The <laughs> website is Therabody.com. They've changed the handle. It's Therabody.com. So you can go to the website. Maybe you can get yourself a Therabody, Vivek. Uh, <laughs> let's continue on here. Um, get back into Summer League stuff. Uh, the Raptors, of course, go 4-1. and one. You've got a bunch of other guys we can kind of pick from here in terms of dudes we're interested to talk about. I'll turn it over to you, Big V. Who do you got? Who kind of caught your eye at Summer League in a way that has you excited going into this season or deeply unexcited? I'll You pick your poison. In terms of excitement level, I would probably say uh, Delano Banton. Yep. I think uh, it's where I have the max level of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I, uh, there, I have a certain level of confidence in knowing what Malachi Flynn is going to be. Sure. I have uh, an expectation for Precious Achua. And so when I look at Delano Banton, it's like, hey, what can this kid be? And, um, you know, you, you look at the Raptors' history with second-round picks, I, I think he's someone I would look at and say there's there's a strong feel for the game. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely aspects of his game that are extremely raw. Uh, and, and we saw him get picked in the backcourt uh, and, you know, struggle a bit with pressure. Uh, and so I think that's something he's going to work on uh, at the 905 level, and he'll get those opportunities. But... I think over the long term, over the next two to three years, 
uh, I'd really like to see, you know, how his game can form and, and especially, you know, being sort of that, you know, multifaceted wing player that can also play a guard spot and play up, play down, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. As the Raptors go full on with this experiment, I think he's someone I, I'm really curious to see develop. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about how the Raptors are going to play like freak basketball this year. Uh, the 905 is going to be like the incubator for all of that. And we're going to see all of the even weirder stuff that isn't NBA ready, I think, applied down in the 905. And Banton feels like he's going to be sort of the like the key subject in all of the experimentation. Like six foot nine dude who can handle. That's like the Raptors dream at this point, especially because he can't shoot. They also love those guys. Uh, and it is going to be fascinating to see how they deploy him because you know i think there's lots of different ways his development could go you could really sort of see him move up as some sort of point guard where they give him the ball a ton yes the turnovers are high right now but for a guy who seems to have the feel for the game that he does maybe that's something that can be worked on i don't think you're like raising too many red flags over summer league turnovers guess what everybody turns the ball over in summer league it's a mad free-for-all and then you know, so you've got that idea. But also, if, you know, the shooting never comes along, you could look at him as some sort of playmaking four. He's got the size for that. He was disruptive enough defensively, like on the in the, on the interior during Summer League, that I think there's something to sort of mine there. It's a very much sort of a choose-your-own-adventure type of thing with Delano Benton. And he's obviously going to have a big role in choosing what adventure it is because he's got the shooting to figure out and he's got the development to undergo. But... He's going to be a delight. I would imagine he's going to spend most of the season with 905 uh, unless they get into real point guard trouble. And if Delano Banton is playing point guard for the Raptors this season, something's either gone horribly wrong or extremely right. I'm not sure what, uh, <laughs> but I, I, um, I am looking forward to you know checking out those 905 games and really just kind of keying in on Banton more than anybody else because he does feel like, you know, a really sort of a gem of their developmental system now, right? Like they haven't had a lot of guys that they've been able to put into the pipeline and kind of develop the last couple of years as they've, you know, sold off picks and things like that to win a championship. But, you know, now that they're sort of replenishing the pipeline, Banton, I think, really sort of skyrockets to the top of the list of guys that I'm excited by, you know, considering Scotty Barnes is not going to be in the G League at all, you would assume. Um other guys, you know, I guess we should talk about Freddie Gillespie. You know, we, we mentioned Precious Achua. I think he's going to be the backup center, and he's going to be quite fun and, and exciting and dunky in that spot. I think Malachi Flynn showed a lot of really encouraging stuff as well. Uh, you know, the two-point shooting, not great. The three-point shooting, uh, hilariously fun and cool. Um, I, I think he would really benefit, I think, if they are able to play him with Drogic in a backcourt in the bench and kind of trade off and he can work on and off ball. And, you know, you've got the makings of a pretty exciting second unit there. So let's instead pivot to a bad story. And that is Freddie Gillespie, who was very, very bad, basically from start to finish, had a couple of nice defensive flourishes here and there. But after a really nice finish to the season where he was like the answer to the Raptors prayers, which was just basically a center who could grab a rebound uh, and not get played off the floor immediately. He was really, really disappointing in summer league. And look, I don't know if it's fair to like look at this and say, oh, this is who Freddie Gillespie is because he has NBA games on his ledger where he very much was better than what we saw in Vegas. But it's still a small sample of NBA minutes and summer league can really determine guys futures here. Where are you at with Freddie Gillespie? Should he be on the roster this coming season? Would you be looking at other big man options if you're the Raptors front office or do you chalk it up to it's summer league? It's weird. Who really cares? I'd probably lean towards that last option the most because 
he definitely comes across as a player who needs to be around really strong players and then just sure. you know profits off of you know whether it's attacking the offensive glass or you know just being in that dunker spot and being ready and you know even defensively i think there there'll be a significant difference if he's on the court but say a pascal siakam and a fred van fleet and an og ananobi and there's less that he has to be responsible for sure. and so uh, i think that's where i would put freddie gillespie's ceiling at you know ideally he's that third string big that um just provides backup uh, minutes as and when you know it's just sort of absolutely required sure. and so i i like the fact that he's a different type of big uh than everyone else the raptors has yeah. i think you just have to have that option available to you but i don't i don't see him as anything more than that do you not really, no. I think the lack of any sort of offensive weapons is going to really limit him. Like, he's not a shooter. He's not a post-up guy. He really is terrible at presenting himself as a role target. Like, you would think with the wingspan, he could just, like, throw his arm up and be like, oh, right here, throw it for a dunk, but he can't. And, you know, again, that's probably chemistry stuff, too, you know, working with new point guards and trying to figure out the the chemistry with the guards. But... It's just there doesn't seem to be a lot of offensive utility there. That said, rebounding is important. He does like present a thick body and, and defensive sort of upside type of guy. And, you know, in the Eastern Conference, where you might come like come up against a Bam at a bio or a Joel Embiid, you might just need six fouls worth of a guy to just throw out there, right? So I don't think it's like the worst thing to have on the roster. I also don't think it's fair to really judge him entirely based on summer league because he did look good in, in NBA action as much as it was garbage time of the season. And maybe you shouldn't believe anything you see in the last month of a season where you're in the lottery. You know, there was enough there to make me think, okay, this guy can like hang in the NBA at some level. He has the elite rebounding skill. That's important. The putbacks, if he can kind of get better with the timing of those and the completion of the putbacks, maybe that's a sort of, you know, Reggie Evans like avenue to being, you know, at least a rotation player at some point, like a deep rotation player. Reggie Evans basketball in 2021. <laughs> Look, man, the Raptors have uh, completely flipped the, the, the league on its head. They're going back to uh, positionless ball, but also uh, Reggie Evans. And I don't know, maybe get like a Derek Martin type point guard in there. Like no points at all. Two points, nine assists, like the classic Derek Martin line. Um, maybe, maybe I just yearn for the late 2000s, early 2010s Raptors. I don't know. I don't do that at all. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think Gillespie, you know, it's not like there's options out there where I'm like, oh, they should go and get that guy to replace him, right? You know, the nostalgia of Bismack Biombo might be kind of fun, but also I think it's kind of been realized that Biombo is kind of similar in, you know, profile to Gillespie, right? Not much offensive utility, can grab some boards, is a good defender, and that's about it. I don't think you're finding much else on the market. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine just kind of riding it out, seeing what happens in, in preseason and, you know, not getting too carried away with what you saw in summer league. And if he continues to struggle, then, you know, there's not like a lot invested in his future. You could always move on and find some sort of upgrade. But um, for the vibes that Freddie Gillespie brings and for, you know, what we saw at the back part of last year, I'm not getting too, too concerned about what we saw in summer league. Any last parting shots on what we saw? In summer league from anybody here, Big V, before we carry on and get into some Pascal Siakam trade rumor squashing. Um, any non-Raptors takes? Sure, go nuts. Go what do you got? Or, <laughs> man, Evan Mobley looks like he's absolutely going to be a superstar. Yeah, like mm -hmm. seems that he, way. He's got he's got everything in his game. I mean, it's like some sort of really 
incredible cross between Chris Bosh and Kevin Garnett. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he, he's got passing. He's got, you know, he's going to get the shooting better. He can score inside. Like, yeah, I think he's going to be incredible. I think the Cavs are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They might not win a whole lot. They, you know, their ceiling might be to, you know, compete for that play in mm-hmm. this season. But I, I think that's a team that I'm definitely going to watch. I, I love watching, you know, that, that backcourt. I mean, we'll see what happens with Sexton yeah. and where they kind of stand on him. But Garland, Sexton, I enjoyed watching them in the back half of last season. And you got Okoro who's going to develop and you throw Mobley into the mix now with Jared Allen as the big. Mm-hmm. I think that team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And then they're going to get Ben Simmons. Uh, and that's going to be fun too. And... <laughs> <laughs> No, that that'll be the end of the experience. Yeah. For me. Well, Kev, I, they also have Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio reigniting their partnership from way back in the day, which is a nice story as well. So just run a very very depressed second unit. Um, although Ricky Rubio, you know, get have a smiley happy face. He's he's on have people being happier. So maybe it won't be so depressing. Who's to say? Uh, that feels like it for summer league. You know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Ish Wainwright and preseason and all that. Although Ish Wainwright seems like a lovely guy. I'm rooting for him pretty hard. Uh, but we'll put a pin in summer league for now and we'll come back to the other side. and We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam trade rumors, baby. Uh, and actually why they kind of seem like they've finally been stopped, even though they were dumb from the start. Uh, we'll get to that in a sec here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They have nine amazing flavors in their regular lineup from coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie. They've got strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream. And they also have limited time flavors that pop up on the site from time to time as well. And you can snag those whenever they're there. You can order yourself a mixed box if you don't know what your favorite flavor is and get two of each of the nine flavors, then decide for yourself which one you like the most. It's going to be mint brownie. I'm sorry to say, sorry to spoil it for you, but it's the best one. Uh, Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're also healthy for you too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all good for you. I believe right now as well, if you go to BuiltBar.com, sorry, Built.com is the website, uh, there's a flash sale going on right now. You can get a box for 29 bucks, but if you use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get a little extra discount off of that as well. So go to Built.com right now. I'm just passing you along the inside information. Noticed it on the site this morning when I was going to buy myself some bars. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at Built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. You've also got sporting news and information for all the other sports. Football's coming up in just a couple weeks. You've got NBA and NHL futures you can throw your money down on. No shortage of stuff to get into on BetOnline.ag. Before the next pitch, face-off, kickoff, whatever it is that begins the sporting event that you like the most, go to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and sign up for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit as well. It means if you sign up, you put in 100 bucks, you get 150 bucks to play with. That's a great deal. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. All right, Vivek, let's round this thing out and talk about the seemingly dead Pascal Siakam rumors. Sam Amick wrote a piece in The Athletic earlier this week uh, sort of documenting the ongoing pursuit of good players by the Sacramento Kings and their failure in those pursuits probably because I don't have the stuff to offer uh, and refuse to offer the things that will get those trades done. Um, and 
seems for now that Pascal Siakam's not going anywhere. The reports in there that he doesn't want to be traded. He's happy. He wants to come back to Toronto. This despite all of the discord last year and the concern about his relationship with Nick Nurse, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, I think we both kind of agree, Vivek, that the Siakam trade rumors were kind of silly from the start. Really seemed like they were coming from outside of the Raptors organization. People who really want Pascal Siakam and were hoping to maybe get him at uh, a low sort of cost of return. The, that never really felt like it was much of anything. Uh, where are you at with the Pascal stuff? Are you happy to see this sort of confirmation that it was all kind of just noise? Or uh, are you still kind of, you know, worried that this might be a thing that pops up down the line? Well, I think it just shows that Pascal Siakam is a highly coveted player in the league. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and He's good at basketball, as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and naturally, good teams would want him. Uh, the Warriors see him atop that list. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe the Kings aren't a good team, but uh, I think they see that uh, Siakam is a very talented player that would fill a lot of their holes. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Raptors, there's a lot of holes that he fills that maybe go unnoticed just because, hey, the grass is always green. Yeah. And so uh, I think the Raptors are doing the right thing in valuing him uh, as much as they do. And you know, I feel like things are have, have kind of gone the other way a bit too much in, in terms of evaluating Pascal. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, especially for those who watched the back half of last season uh, until he picked up that injury, he was great. And the playmaking had come a long way. Uh, his scoring had gone up another notch. Uh, and I think that's the Pascal I hope to see this season, and especially, you know, for a player like him that thrives off energy and the crowd and all that type of thing. I think being back in Toronto is going to be a real boost for him. And thankfully, it sounds like that will be the case. Yeah, I mean, it just never really made a lot of sense from any perspective. You know, I think this is sort of a, you know, people who don't watch the Raptors and know what's going on day to day, which, hey, if you listen to Locked On Raptors, you get that local perspective every single day and you get that across the Locked On network. Um, But, (laughs) hey, we're on video now. We got more people to spread the good word to. But, you know, it really felt like it was from people outside of Toronto who were just sort of looking and saying, oh, they drafted Scotty Barnes. He's as tall as Pascal Siakam. That must mean they want to trade Pascal Siakam without any sort of understanding that there's very clearly a vision here for the Raptors. It is to collect guys of this size and skill set and turn it into some sort of freak Monstars team of some kind down the line in the best case scenario. And it never made sense to just assume that because they drafted a 19-year-old that they were then going to go trade their all-NBA player. It was silly and sort of simplistic, reductive thinking from the beginning. And it really did just feel like, oh, the Warriors have this trade package of poo-poo platter stuff they want to trade for a star. Let's see if we can drum up some interest or something like that by putting this out in some sort of rumor piece or whatever. It just, you know, I think like news literacy was pretty key during this whole Pascal trade rumor thing and kind of understanding where stuff's coming from and where it's not coming from. And I'm glad that it seems like, you know, things are copacetic and, you know, the Raptors are happy to go forward with Siakam because he's very good. He's their best player. Like he became their best player last season. He was better than Kyle Lowry last season by all the sort of advanced metrics by driving, winning. It's not easy to unseat Kyle Lowry as the best player on the Raptors. And he did it last year. And so, 
I think, yeah, like the bubble has become like this sort of outsized thing on his resume that people look at and they're like, oh my God, Pascal's terrible. The start to last season didn't really help matters much, but he really kind of rounded into form before COVID and injury kind of derailed things. And I think it's uh, it's totally reasonable to go in with a really optimistic outlook for Siakam in this season. And look, this season is going to be about testing what this core can do, right? You know, the whole plan here from what I gather is, you know, as Bobby Webster said in his uh, press conference a couple of days ago, you know, talking about how this feels like 2013-14 again, where it's like, let's just figure out what's here and then go forward from there. You know, if it is to happen that this season that, you know, goes by and they win 30 games and the core of Siakam and Obi Van Vliet looks terrible, then next summer you make some decisions and you start talking about trades moving on from guys and re, you know, reforming the future, but... That's way premature. We haven't seen what's going to happen this season yet. There's very much the potential for this team to have a 2013-14 style surprise run where maybe they're not amazing or contenders, but they're quite good and entertaining and give you a lot of hope for what's coming next. And it was always just silly for the Raptors to hit the off-ramp with Siakam before seeing what he does with this core going forward. So glad it's over. Um, it, just for fun, let's just entertain it one last time. Say the Kings were the trade partner here, Vivek. What would have moved the needle for you in terms of an offer for Siakam? Because there's exactly one player on that roster that I would say, yeah, for sure, do that for Siakam. And I don't think the Kings were even thinking about that or they were never going to go there. But what would have gotten it done for you if you're the Raptors front office and, Siak- and Sacramento comes calling? Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is someone yep. <laughs> that uh, I would have been happy to have a conversation about. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he's probably not yet in that category of the tier one superstar but he would be along the lines where you know he's someone that you potentially see having a higher ceiling at least offensively um, and can be that dynamic point guard um, who can really lead a team and so that would be enticing and beyond that type of player it would be a superstar yeah. and it would be you know a dame lillard it would be you know for me a bradley beal and uh still holding on to that dream are you <laughs> no i'm not i'm not I'm, I'm just saying in terms of the prototype of who i would want mm-hmm. um and so i think anything beneath that to me is just not even a starting point for a conversation yeah. like the Aaron fox yeah okay let's talk yeah. but Anything below that, no thank you. Yeah, like Tyrese Halliburton's nice, but I don't think he projects as some sort of star. I mean, he's a very, very good player who I think is going to be like an excellent two-guard in the league for a long time, but it's a lot to sort of pin on a guy who just had one year in the league, and, you know, it's hard to know where the trajectory is going to go, how complete is he as a player and all that. You know, I do think it's interesting if things don't go well. I'm not going to lie, I like Halliburton a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing is, I think it is interesting if, you know, certain things go down this year in like a certain order of operations, like the Raptors struggle, maybe Siakam looks good, but the Raptors as a whole just, you know, don't really kind of figure it out. If the Kings kind of realize, oh, the Mitchell Halliburton Fox trio is maybe too much in terms of guards in the back, or we got to balance the roster. I could totally see there being some sort of connection between the Raptors and Kings in a Siakam for either Halliburton or Fox swap next summer, depending on how the development of Halliburton goes and all that. And, you know, the Raptors, yeah. I think you could sort of talk themselves into, oh, yeah, Fox or Halliburton, like a ball-dominant guard who can kind of offset the size, you know, issues with Fred and all that. 
like maybe that's something you can say that would work and be a fair sort of swap. But I think it's just too early for either team to entertain that right now. So talk to me in a year if things go horribly for the Raptors and, you know, the core doesn't look like it's going to be kept together. If things go well, it probably means Pascal Siakam has been too good to want to trade. So um, I think we can leave that there for now. Big V, thank you so much for making your YouTube debut, buddy. Again, it's uh, it's wonderful to have a famous CBC personality and Toronto Raptors staff writer jumping on the call to be all handsome and good looking and balance out my, uh, you know, morning gruff. Uh, but what, <laughs> where, uh, where can people check you You're out if you have man. anything you want to promote? Sean, you don't give yourself enough credit. <laughs> um, I w- uh, you can you can follow my work uh, at CBC Sports. We'll have uh, a new North Courts coming up soon, um, where you might see a similar combo discussing things. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, you can also follow my work uh, at Raptors.com. And beyond that, you can follow me on Twitter at Jacob. That must feel really good. You follow my work at Raptors.com. That rocks very very excited for all of your stuff you already wrote uh, a couple pieces for them correct so uh, correct yeah Yeah. so let's go give v all of the love and adoration we can uh if you want to give this podcast love and adoration you can subscribe on youtube you can like you can tell a friend of course about the podcast you can subscribe or follow on all your favorite podcast apps in addition uh we'll be back again on friday probably a mailbag podcast the mailbags on the youtube will be fun because we can actually show the questions on the screen and give people shout outs that should be a good time uh so that'll be friday uh, get your mailbag questions in. You can send them to me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Of course, the Twitter handle is just right below me right there. Oh, there. I figured out the spatial thing and how it works. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you again. It po- There's Vivek's Twitter handle as well as he points to it. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll talk to you again on Friday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.